three, two, one, and welcome back to the SBH podcast. So in this podcast, uh, we're actually going to be going off of what we did last podcast, which was me talking about spring and my what I'm, what's going on in spring. Um, in this podcast, I'm going to be pretty much getting my plugs set up for spring fishing, um, and that is pinching barbs, replacing hooks, uh, and we're just gonna, and I'm just gonna be grabbing plugs, and these are actually not plugs from Pumba Plugs. Um, a lot of these are plugs from other companies, but uh, the reason I'm gonna be using or grabbing and uh, using these plugs right now is because I haven't touched these since I started fishing with Pumba Plugs because I think that the Pumba Plugs are better than most like other plastic brands as well as um, they, they're they environmentally friendly, which these plastic brands are not, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to be using certain plugs for certain applications. So I'm actually going to grab, so I'm wheeling back now, grabbing the my plugs, my Pumba plugs. And I guess we can start with these plugs first. So right now, I have a bunch, and when I mean a bunch, I mean a bunch of Puma plugs, but I need to get a few of them that I'm going to be using in the spring set up for spring fishing. So a lot of the plugs that I fish in the spring are pencils and walking plugs like this. So the thing is, I, I probably will switch back to treble hooks. Uh, later in the year but for now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be pinching barbs on plugs that have trebles and I'm also going to be switching out hooks for inline single hooks okay so what I got is two different sizes of inline singles um, and I, I so really at this point what I like to do is I like to switch these plugs over and to having inline singles and then I try to uh, I try to kind of, well I have to use them to see if they work the same so that's the thing I I haven't tried these with these inline singles so this will be uh, an ongoing process for right now though I am going to switch to an inline single hook on this magnum walker right here so I'm gonna grab my tool if for any of you that haven't done this before this is how uh you switch out hooks on plugs and i have a ton of plugs um and like i have a bag of like other plugs but we're going to start with the pumba plugs first so i've had a lot of luck with the the magnum walkers this season um i've had but also i've had a lot of unfortunate things happen with the magnum walkers um one of those is uh, I had so many 40 plus inch bass come up and hit the plug, but I've been unlucky uh, and not been able to actually hook them. I've had a few 35s in the fall. I had one day where I got six bass over 35 inches in back-to-back -back casts on this plug. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so right now I'm just going to be switching out these uh, these. Uh, split rings and treble hooks for inline single. Um, 
and the I'm just going with VMC for now. I'm sure there are other companies that are better. The only reason I'm using VMC is because they're the cheapest. And you know the thing about doing this is I'm, I want to have a handful of plugs that are ready for spring, but I also don't want to break the bank while doing it. So these were, I believe, $5 at my tackle store. So I will be switching a few plugs over. I'm just, the only reason to buy a lot of them is because I don't know how the plugs are going to react with these inline singles. All I know is that this is the single hooks that I'm going to be using. I do know, however, that this is pretty heavy, like a little bit heavier than I think this treble is. Um, and it is. So that means the weight is going to be slightly different. However, it shouldn't be too bad. So what I'm going to do is just get this other treble hook off. I'm doing this at the end of the um, table that the mic is on. So we might have a little bit of tapping and clicking when I'm setting things down. But I'm just going to take off the hooks on these. These are This plug has um, never been used before, so it's a little bit... So the hooks and trebles, or the hooks and split rings are nice and fresh and sharp. <laughs> so I'm like stabbing myself. I'm sure my hands are going to be all cut up by the end of this. But um, I have a lot of plugs to go through. So I'm going to try to go through a lot of plugs, but I'll also try to tell some stories that are involving these plugs as well. Um, because this wouldn't be very interesting if I was just uh, just straight <laughs> um, taking uh, hooks and split rings off for the entire video, um, which I'm going to be doing, but I'll hopefully tell some interesting stories along the way. Um, so yeah, I was fishing with the Magnum Walker a lot, and it quickly became one of my favorite topwaters that he creates. Um, and uh, the thing is, big walking like spook style plugs for striped bass um, are absolutely killer. Because the thing is they have that slower lackadaisical motion on the surface, which makes it very difficult for a bass to pass up going after it and hitting the plug. So that's, so it's, it's taken a lot of really big fish. Recently there's been a big movement on the dock plugs. This is a lot like the dock except for the fact um, it's a little bit heavier, so it has a little bit better casting, um, and it has a little bit different nose. So the nose in this, as I've talked about in the past, is actually cut at an angle, which makes it sit on the surface, and you can walk it right on the surface. I've used a lot of other wooden spook-style plugs because I've been trying to find heavier like ones because the casting distance on the docks are not very good, as many of you know. Um, and so when I'm throwing this on the surface of the water, uh, it doesn't dive like a lot of other wooden plugs do. A lot of other wooden plugs are working it, oh, you see a big fish and you get excited and you start ripping a little bit faster, you get a rhythm. As soon as you do that, the plug dives under the water. And that will immediately, no, not necessarily all of the time, but a lot of the time, that it diving under the water is gonna deter the fish from actually hitting it. Um, so, uh, I, th that's like big. On number one that's really big of like for this plug to not dive under the water has given me second chances at a lot of big fish um, and the other thing about this plug that is really great is um, it has a good profile now the profile of this plug is of most bait fish 
So uh, if you think of like a bait fish that the bass go after, whether that be uh, Atlantic menhaden or pogies, whatever you want to call them, um, and, or mackerel, um, name any other bait fish that like larger bait fish that the bass go after, that's pretty much the size. So when the bass are going after, after the plug, um, that's the size that they will be, um, like this is about the size of like a large pogey or a, a large mackerel. So this is the age old question, I guess. Do you have the hook riding down or do you have the hook riding up for the tail? I think down. Um, and people are probably going to be like, you always have to put it this way, but not necessarily. Um, but I think it riding down is definitely the way. I mean, obviously that's what you, you want it on the, the, the belly, but sometimes people like putting it up on the tail. So keeping that in mind, uh, I'm just going to be switching this here. Yeah, I'm very curious. I am going to work these after this podcast. I'll go down to the harbor and throw these and see how they they go in the water. Am I doing this? Of course, I just put it on the wrong way. Yeah, so we want it like this. So we want it like this. Okay. Um, so that's a very, uh, so I'll be very curious uh, to see um, how this affects the action of the plug. If it affects it negatively, then I will have to switch up the size of the treble um, or of the single hook um, to either a larger or smaller hook. Uh, so the other thing about using single hooks on these plugs is um, the hookups are not going to be as good. So when you're working this plug, it's not going to have as good of a hookup ratio, but it is going to it is, it is, however, going to have a better um, secure, like a more secure hookup. So if the bass does get hooked, the hook is going to be penetrating much better and it'll be harder for the bass to bend it out. Um, so, yeah, but the thing is, it's going to probably limit a lot of the smaller fish eating this because it's going to be a bigger hook. But at the same time, if you get a really big fish, um, hopefully it hits it more than once because it's going to have a little bit harder time hooking up. But what I'm trying to do in, I'm not entirely sure if I'm actually going to pinch the barbs. I guess I will. I mean, in for a penny and for a pound, I guess, right? If I'm going singles, I might as well just go, um, go uh, barbless as well. So pretty much what I'm trying to do is make it easy on those spring bass when they're first showing up, um, going single hooks and also going barbless. Because a lot of the bass are smaller, um, and I will, I am going to be switching this out for a um, treble later in the season, um, and I'll probably stick it. I mean, depending on how I like barbless more and more, but also I don't want to lose a fish at my foot. So if you can imagine hooking into a really large fish, and you get it all the way, you keep tension on the line, you get it all the way to your feet, and you're you know pretty high up on a rock or something, and the bass is thrashing right at your feet, and you're, you have a, um, you have barbless hooks, and what happens is the bass is going to be able to shake in a way that will probably create some slack if it's at your feet, 
and then it, it will probably spit the hook if it is barbless. So that's what makes bar barbless not as good as having barbs, obviously. But um, it's better on the fish, um, and it's better on you if you get hooked yourself. Um, so that's what I'm going to be. So I guess that's, you know, good. And I'll probably do the same thing in the in the fall when I have some time. I'll be switching them back to, to single hooks and stuff. Because in the fall, there's a lot of big fish around, but there's also a ton of small fish around. And the thing is, I don't really necessarily need to be fishing with um, treble hooks in the fall because 90% of the bass that I'm catching are going to be in that low 20-inch size. Um, so yeah, they're going to be that low 20-inch size, which will make it, uh, well, it will make it so I don't necessarily need to be using barbless hooks or barbed hooks because it will rough up the bass a good amount. So look at this. So in theory, I, you can see this, right? Are we good? Yeah. Oh, the back look, the light here shows it off good. There you go. Here's your Magnum Walker with, um, there's your Magnum Walker with the two singles. Now I have to test this out to see if the, um, if the sized, uh, seven VMC inline circles, um, are the way to go for the um, plug. So um, I, I have to do some more testing, but right now this is what I have on there. I'm This is my best guess as to what will probably be good on this plug, but again, I'm not entirely sure. I might have to go size down. I think this could be a little bit heavy, but this is plug number one. So I wanna do it on a plug like this as well. So that's a, that's a good spring plug that I'm gonna be throwing. I have another Magnum Walker right over here that's in mackerel and I'm gonna have these two with singles um, this one the the trebles are a little bit more dirty but that's okay uh, more use I guess than in the salt uh, so that's so I'm so that's pretty much what I'm gonna do I'm gonna try to do two of the plugs in with this the singles oh, I should probably also before I do this hold on before I do this I'm gonna actually pinch the barbs on this on this hook here, on the hooks here. So the way this works, it's pretty much gotta take some pliers, some small pliers here, or you can take a file. And I don't know, this is a beefy barb here too, um, which is, I guess, the reason why I'm doing this. But what you wanna do is you wanna slowly start pinching the barb on this, which can be slightly difficult sometimes. Um, you want to try to find the best, the best way to, to do this. Hmm. This is a tough bar. I might have to see. It's interesting depending on certain, um, uh, plugs have, or certain hooks, I mean, have different, um, <laughs> like have different hardnesses to the, to the barb. This is a very tough barb to crush. I'm putting a lot of pressure on it too, and it's just not bending, which is pretty extraordinary. Um, slowly getting it there. But the goal of this is to hopefully lessen the barb at least a little bit, um, making it not quite as bad for the fish when, when it gets hooked. I think I got it here. Okay, good. 
Okay, so I, I've pinched the barb a little bit on this. Um, and I will do the same over here. And then we will continue. Yeah, okay, I've got the technique down now. Yeah, okay, we're good. All right, so those barbs have been pinched. So now let's do this next plug. So I'm just testing out these two to start. And uh, I like to have two plugs. Generally, I like to have uh, a, like a white or a yellow and then like a realistic colored plug in my bag. So whether that be bunker or mackerel, which are pretty much the two main forges for the largest striped bass in my area. So that's the two main um, like bait, larger white bait fish patterns that I have are a bunker or a mackerel. And then of course the yellow or white is the two colors. And these are for daytime topwater plugs. And in the spring I will mess around with throwing um, plugs that have, that are, uh, that are in that, um, that have uh, the like shad color to them uh, or like um, alewife color. So that's the like bluish purple uh, like this plug on the end here has a bluish purple tinge to it, I guess. So that's like the one that I'm going to be throwing in uh, rivers and stuff f when the bat when the um, alewife spawn. They swim up the rivers and um, are really that's where the first few large bass start staging up and feeding on those bait fish. Um, so that's like the first ones that I will be targeting um are the first colors that i'll really be using in the spring when i'm targeting larger fish so when i'm targeting like those schoolies the schoolie bass i'm using small pencils small magnum walkers um and all the stuff like that but when i'm going up in size and i'm starting to attack bigger fish i try to get a little bit more particular with what bait they're going to be feeding on um in the spring and what I need to be matching or like matching the hatch with. Um, I'll be getting to other plugs that I do use in the spring. And the thing is I'm not using exclusively Pumbaa plugs, but if I have to, if I'm targeting large fish, I am going to be using them for a lot of large, for a lot of my, when I'm targeting a lot of my larger bass. Um, there are, are a few other plugs that I use for schoolie size striped bass. And I love bucktails and um, like, like little swim shads are also great um, in the spring. So I use stuff like that. I do use small SP minnows in the spring. That's another plug that I do have to give some credit to because it's a plug that I do use a lot. But the um, the Puma Plugs has come out with a wobbler, which has a very similar action to it. It's just a little bit larger. Um, and so when I'm now, if I'm targeting larger bass, and I'd be using a SP minnow. I'll actually be throwing a wobbler in those scenarios because the wobblers have the exact same action, uh, but they are they have a little bit different profile, and they tend to they tend to get a bigger fish's attention. Um, even the bigger SP minnows, I prefer the wobblers, which I have one right here. This is a wobbler. So a wobbler looks has a little cupped nose and it has a very similar 
wobbling action. I'd say it's kind of like a mag darter, but it also has that little wobbling action and it, its tail will shake a little bit as it's swimming too. So it has that same action as like an SP minnow, but as you can tell, I mean, it's a little bit bigger. I mean, do I have an SP minnow here? Oh, so this is the, I do. I have a lot of plugs here that I will be showing. Okay. This is a large SP minnow. And this is a wobbler. The wobbler is a little bit bigger. Just a little bit, I guess, go this way. Yeah. So there you go. That Now you can kind of get a sense of how big the wobbler is. Um, okay, we'll put this guy back. I am not going to be switching out stuff on this because this is a plug that, yes, I'll throw in the spring, but I won't be throwing that often <clears throat> in the spring. So I'll, and most of the bass I'm going to be, most of the time I fish during the day in the spring or in the evening. Uh, I think when it, during the spring, I think it's pretty similar fishing at night to during the day. I think it's one of the rare times through the year, even including the, uh, including the, um, the fall. I think it is, uh, one of the rare times in the year that f fishing during the day is equal to as fishing at night, um. As far as you should be able to, those bigger fish are still feeding. So there's not going to be a lot of like huge fish around, but I'm, but in the spring you do have those times where you'll have your, you know, 35 to 40 inch bass um, around, and I think they feed equal during the day as they do at night in the spring. Um, and if you hunt in the rivers and the estuaries at certain times of the year, uh, you can really have a fun time on top with smaller, uh, like the small Magnum Walker, which I'm gonna be switching out. I actually have to do some testing first on it, but I will be switching it out after this video. I will be switching out the uh, hooks on that. Uh, the small Magnum Walker have very good, um, is a good profile size for, uh, for the rivers and stuff this time of year. Um, and, it might be you might think oh it's a little early to be switching to be starting to to get your plugs all situated um and the, the thing is when you have as many plugs as you have to go through as i do it can't it's not really early enough i guess i have a lot of plugs that i need to sort through before the season starts and the thing is as i've said in another podcast like once the season starts i don't really organize my stuff i have what i'm going to be using and then I just throw it in my bag, and then I'll use that until I either break it or lose it, um, which happens a lot. I mean, you have a lot of the times you'll have a bass, and you know the bass will snap you off, or you'll break a plug in half, which is never fun. Had that happen to me three times. I've had bass snap my plug in half. Um, and I had it happen on a tsunami talking popper. I was fishing a tsunami talking popper and I hook a big fish and I hooks it, wham! And the plug just snaps right in half. I think I have it actually in a box over there. I'll check, I'll grab the box to see if I have the half of the plug in there. But yeah, I, it snapped it clear in half, which is really extraordinary because it was a brand new 
brand new one and it just snapped it right in half. Um, and I've only had that happen a few times, but it does happen. It's hard to, sometimes it's hard to get these. Oh, bam. Sometimes it's hard to get these split rings onto these inline single, single hooks because they, um, they're a little bit thicker around the eye. So it's a little bit more difficult to get a split ring around it. And I'm using split rings off of the Puma plugs that are much, that have um, a lot of rings to them. So you can switch them back and forth on a plug. Um, probably gonna be getting cancer here because I'm breathing in the dust that's coming off of the rust from these um, split rings. Uh, but uh, so I'm trying to, I was trying to blow the, the dust away from my face. Um, but these plugs are going to be doing very well, um, in the, in the rivers because what happens is these bass sit in these eddies in the rivers and they are sitting there on the bottom they're looking up and they'll see this magnum walker come dancing across the surface right at it and it will they'll come up and they'll smash it right on the surface and um and it's interesting it's pretty much where the first larger fish go that and in the boulder fields i got some bass in early june that were in the high 40 mid to high 40 inch size um in early june so and a few of them even on top so that's also extra cool um i'd say pretty much in early june is when the big fish start pushing in um here i sh should start seeing my first 40 incher in early june but you can never know it really depends on the bait if the bait does what it did last year i just put this on wrong bummer um when the bait uh when the bait will uh when the bait comes if the bait does what it did last year, which is we had a lot of Atlantic menhaden and they stayed in close to shore for a lot of the season, which had, which made some incredible blitzes as well as some incredible night fishing um, off the rocks. So that's a big, big tip. If the bait's doing what it did last year, I would highly, highly suggest fishing off the rocks in the early evening because what happens is a lot of the really, really large bass are going to be pushing in um, and it's going to make it extraordinary fishing. Um, and, you know, that's what it does. What happens is the, the bass are following these huge bunker schools and they out deep in the water. I'm trying to figure out how I can put this on here. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time this this plug but <sighs> okay so what will happen is the uh, I'm trying to just focus like hard on putting this this hook on okay deep breath <laughs> the struggle I'm, st I'm sure I'm not the only one that gets angered at these hooks not doing what I'm supposed to have them do which is get on these little eye that keeps of this Plug. Okay, here we go. We're good. 
We're good now. Okay, so I keep losing my train of thought here. Um, but what happens is these bunkers uh, during the day are out in these in the deep water, and then at night they get pushed in close to shore. And especially in the spring, you can actually the bunker will get pushed in close to shore in the early morning, um, and you can. On the beaches as well, like sandy beaches, you'll be seeing these epic blitzes. And these are definitely not small fish that are blitzing. I'm talking about 30-pound bass blitzing on this on these bunker in pretty shallow water too um, in some scenarios. And even in the estuary and river mouths, there was a few times last year where it got pretty extraordinary. Okay, here we go. Plug number two. See, this is not a quick process, as you guys are probably starting to find out. It's not a quick process to be switching up treble or single hooks on these plugs. Um, and I, what I try to do is two of every plug. So really right now I have these larger hooks on this plug. Now, um, the, the cool thing about this, if you think about it, if this is the bass's mouth, uh, the, like the bass's mouth is opening this way and closing like that. Okay, get it? So this is just the rim of its mouth. With a treble, what happens is it will eat the plug and then you have two hooks that are in the fish and it will only penetrate just to where the barb is right here, like just to the underneath the barb. Although you have two points of contact, um, it makes it a little bit easier for them to get more leverage on the hook to bend it. Now, uh, the other thing is it doesn't have as much, um, like, it's not really as secure. It's kind of just like sitting halfway into the fish. It's not that secure. If the bass shakes the right way, it can pop the trebles out pretty easily. So, but if you have this bigger plug here with these single hooks and it goes around the, the fish's mouth. Now, when the thing is gonna go into the bass's mouth and out the top, and so now there's no way, no matter how hard this fish shakes, that it's gonna be able to fully get the, the hook to fully rotate around its mouth and pop it out. That's very, very difficult for the bass to do. So it might be more difficult when, you're, when the bass is coming up and just slamming into the plug for it to hopefully get hooked, uh, it's gonna really have to like close around the plug for the for us to have a hope of this going into it. But once it goes into it, it's gonna get hooked. And really, it's an odds game. The more hits you get from the bass, uh, the more likely it is to end up getting hooked. Um. So I have those two done right there. Now I'm gonna move into slightly smaller hooks. So now I'm trying something out a little bit differently. So these are size two VMCs, um, and I'm gonna put them on this. This might be a this might be a little light. So now here we go. This is me trying out different things here. I've also smaller plugs that I'm gonna put this on that are coming out later. So I'm not gonna show you guys now, but I really got this for a specific pencil that is coming out um, over the Rhode Island Fishing Show. So um, you'll all start posting about it after the Rhode Island fishing show. I had incredible luck on it in the spring um, and caught so many schooly bass on the plug. It was extraordinary. Um, like probably the best pencil popper I've ever seen. 
it's your first hint, but yeah, I mean, it was ex it was an extraordinary uh, plug. Um, I caught so many, I mean, I caught so many large, like between thirty and almost forty inches on that plug, and that and it's not a very big plug. I mean, there's different sizes, but the one that I was fishing, uh, it was small. It was smaller than this big eye, and I was catching a lot of really big fish on it and it absolutely casts like a missile too and the blitzing that I was having going on was truly extraordinary as well the blitzing was fantastic blitz fishing um, and the plug just held up perfectly to these bass and, it, and they were like full wolf pack like you'd have like 40 schoolie sized bass and you'd throw the plug in there and it would it was it was gong it was like a gong show I mean the things were like I mean absolutely leaping out of the water knocking the plug four feet out of the water uh it was truly extraordinary to to watch the them just go off at this plug i mean it was it was a lot of fun it was a it was a lot of fun to to watch um and the more that i've the more i've um fished with pencils in top water the more i've loved them so i truly like during the day I rarely fish anything else but pencils, rarely. Um, and the reason that I rarely fish anything else but pencils and, uh, well, I guess top water, I mean pencils and like walking spook style plugs is that uh, I think the, this is definitely gonna be small, but yeah, see the problem with this is these are gonna be too small for this plug for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Too small for this plug. Um, so I'm going to put these back, but I am going to put them on a different plug. And I'm going to put these hooks back on. Okay, so that was just me testing, messing around. So a lot of what I did do, and I want it to be raw for this podcast. Um, I didn't want like me to have all of this pre-planned. I want this to be raw. I mean, this is what I do. I take these plugs and I look at them and I... I mess around with the, the split rings and I then after doing this go out and fish with them um, just throwing them not really fishing I guess just casting them and working them back seeing if the action is still good on them and if it is then I'll be super stoked if the plugs that I was just messing around with um, especially the magnum walkers are good because I could keep those magnum walkers with singles all season if I end up catching a lot bigger fish or like if I can still catch big fish on them and I'm not losing as many, uh, like I'm not losing as many shots because, uh, I obviously am going to be losing shots at hooking into these fish, but if I'm hooking these fish and they're staying pinned perfectly, um, that, that would be a big, big confidence booster. Cause I've had a lot of bad luck hooking into large fish and then having them shake the hooks, especially with Magnum walkers. So it'll be good to just to have that going for me. I will pinch the barbs on this plug, however, so we can do that for this for this uh, treble hook. So I'm tr kind of doing a bit of both. I said that I would do a bit of both, having some singles and having some uh, trebles going. So uh, that's what I'm gonna probably do is have a few barbless singles and a few barbless trebles on the same plugs um, and you know, just flip-flopping different plugs with different hooks and stuff and seeing how it works. Because the more you do it, the more you learn. 
and the, also the healthier it is for the bass because if you think about it the more entrance points the bass has in its mouth the worse it's gonna be for them uh and you know i've heard about like throwing like having treble and then a single tail which is probably which is actually a good idea and i think i might do that for this plug just to test it test it out just put a single tail on it although this is a smaller tail hook um i need to yeah this is a little small i think i'm just gonna pinch the barbs on this so we'll just start with that um seeing how that works um but i can you can do different like way different stuff like putting single tails and stuff on the plugs as well because the less barbs and i prefer having single tails tail hooks on my plugs as a lot of my plugs i'll personally be switching the the treble tail hooks out for singles uh because i think that it rarely gets hooked in the or like eats the plug with the single tail and most of the time it eats it with the the double um or well most of the time i'll eat it with the the treble hook right from the the base there um or from the stomach that's where you get most of your hits although there is the odd bass that will eat it um this way so yeah okay bam 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 okay so hit that up too um perfect okay so now i'm actually going to switch over to some smaller plugs here um that are not pingle plugs probably going to be throwing or grabbing a um i have so many i mean it's extraordinary how many plugs i have in here um yeah i mean the thing is when you're fishing you can never have too many plugs but you can definitely tell that i've touched a lot of stuff since the beginning of the year i mean i have so many like i have so much stuff oh i also just got my um got my van stall serviced my uh van stall uh 200 so i can add that to the to the rod um putting this on my century stealth rod right now this is going to be a big um this is going to be a great uh an absolutely fantastic rod for the spring because is in my opinion it's a lighter rod it's a very whippy rod uh and it has um but at the same time it it's longer uh it's 10 foot six so i can cast it a lot further um so that's why i'm gonna be using that a lot in the spring i'm also gonna use that when i go to when i go to uh sandy hook new jersey in the spring um here you go i'm gonna lift this thing up so you guys can see all these plugs that i have in here i mean it's extraordinary i have lots of stuff that i throw in the spring darters and little uh here's something that's an interesting one I throw in the spring. It's not really that interesting, but a little peanut bunker, um, like Sabeel Magic Swimmer thing, or, or a 
shed. Swim. I don't even know what it's called. Um, and then, what else? I'm looking for these small SP minnows. I have a few small SP minnows that I want to switch for singles. Um, Bingo. This. This right here. I don't know if I have any other or smallest minnows. Oh, yes. No. No. I think you could probably tell what my favorite color SP minnow is. Just a little yellow action going I think there's another one in there somewhere but small yellow SP minnow this actually the lip on this has been destroyed but from banging it off the rocks talk about really what I need to do here is start taking the hooks off of a lot of these plugs um, and then storing these in so this is really what I'm going to do right now let's just start taking these hooks off the plugs. So I have a yellow darter here, which I haven't thrown since the spring, but that's okay. Uh, and this is like an 8x strong hook because I had, I lost a fish, I actually didn't lose the fish, but I um, had a fish completely bend the treble hook of a super strike darter out. So at that point, I call it and I say, that it's time it is time to to upgrade and then i upgraded the hooks and the action is not as good so these are the problems that we struggle with now the, with pumba plugs we have we're have we're going to have a choice at some point um that's going to come out of having however like pretty pretty much as heavy as you want um treble hooks on your plugs, you just gotta uh, add what treble hooks you want to purchase, and you can have a plug that has extra, like eight x strong or more uh, treble hooks. So that's really cool. So right now I'm just. And the other thing is, when you have a bunch of extra treble hooks around, then you can see what plugs you're going to be using the most, and then you can have those going for you so here's just like I think I got the setup fishing show custom needlefish looked really good didn't fish it that much but should have fished it more so if I know I'm not gonna be using certain plugs a lot then I will be um, taking the trebles off of them and I'll be repurposing them later in the year so this is a thing that I like to do because then you can Easily, you can put your plugs, all your plugs without your trebles in a bag and not really have to worry about hooks going everywhere. And then you can label them. And then what you can also do is put a little container with the right size trebles and the right size split rings for your plug in the um, in the uh, bag with the, the things, with the uh, plugs. And you can... Uh, then put on the trebles to the plugs that you need when you want them. So that's 
what I'm going to be doing right now. I'm just going to be taking out a lot of plugs and I'll be telling stories. So SP Minnows, um, I, the thing that comes to mind with me is I was fishing this one. I don't know why this always comes to mind, but I was fishing this one, um, spot and, uh, I wasn't having a lot of luck. This was a few years ago and all, I was up pretty high and I saw this bass that was probably 40 inches and it was just cruising maybe 10 feet below the surface uh, and the water was super clear and I threw the SP minnow at it and all of a sudden it just takes off at this SP minnow and I thought I was like yes I'm gonna hook this fish and the fish comes right up to it and then it stops right before it and it just stays there and starts just floating there and then it slowly starts sinking and I'm like no and um, it started sinking below the plug and then all of a sudden out of nowhere the thing comes up flies up at it and hits it from beneath and um, I hooked set and hooked into it and then it shook once and spit the hook uh, that was a heartbreaker right there but it was interesting how the the bass swam up below it or swam up to it like it was interested stopped the plug was getting away from it it sunk down below the water and then it did another attack from below Curious if you've ever seen a bass do that before, because I haven't seen one do it since, um, or at that time before then. I've never seen a bass do anything like that. That was really strange. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a strange uh, reaction to the plug. Um, yeah. Oh, here's a tsunami talking popper. So I used a lot of these earlier in the year, and I did a pretty well. I mean, you can see it's been beaten up. I've caught a lot of this. This plug has definitely seen some fish, but um, but uh, I was I hooked one really nice fish on a yellow tsunami talking popper, and I lost it into the rocks because my um, my mono I had fifty pound mono filament and it snapped right in the middle, and I never had a I never had a um, I never had my fifty pound mono just snap right in the middle for no reason before. Um, until then until that point and then I've not fished mono and I've also not fished 50 pound line since then or at least mono or fluorocarbon because now I fish at lowest I'll fish 60 pound fluorocarbon ah it's a lie I guess I'd fish 50 pound fluorocarbon is the lowest I'd go um, when I'm fishing off of sandy beach but I guess in the spring uh, uh, I'll go a little bit lower but I don't I don't like going below 50 because really I tend to catch a lot of my larger fish on, um, like, on heavy, uh, on very, um, like, I don't want to end up hooking into a really large fish with super, um, light line because that's how you lose really big fish, um, is when you don't, when you're underprepared. And I never want to be underprepared for a big fish. I'm always prepared to hook into a giant fish when I'm fishing. I'm always prepared to hook into uh, like a 30, 40 pound bass. I never wanna be caught off guard and uh, lose a fish of a lifetime. You know, if I hook a bass that's in the 50 pound, that's like a 50 pounder or bigger, I never wanna like be, um, I never wanna be caught off guard by that. Uh, my first keeper of the season was caught on the black and purple darter by the way, so that's a cool thing. My first keeper of the season was 33 inches. Um, yeah, so that was cool. I pardoned the first keeper of the season. 
not that I really keep very many fish, but um, yeah, I always let go the first keeper of the season. The only time I try to, the only time that I really keep fish is if um, they're injured. So if I either gut hook a fish or it gets hooked in the gill or it's bleeding out for some reason or in the eyes um, and it's a keeper, then I tend to keep it. That would be the only time I'd end up keeping a fish. Let me know like what your thoughts on keeping a fish if it's been hooked like bad is. Um, what would you do if you hooked a really large fish, you got hooked a really large fish? Um, would you keep it or would you, uh, or would you um, uh, release it or try to release it? Um, and I know like a lot of the time, like you, when you got hooked a fish, you should just cut the line if it's not bleeding or anything. But what if the bass was bleeding badly? That's the question. You know, you hook like a 30 pound bass, but it's got hooked and bleeding badly. What do you do? Do you keep it or do you release it? You know, I'm big on the conservation, but, um, you know, at that point, is it ethical to keep the bass? Um, I'm de-hooking a Sabeel um, stick shad, and I actually caught my biggest bass ever on this plug right here. So that's a interesting story. I was fishing at the canal, and uh, you can actually see it in... Uh, the documentary Coastline, where I was spending a long time fishing for these, for trying to catch a really large striped bass for this documentary, and um, I wasn't having a lot of luck, and I was kind of facing the, the fact that um, the the fact that the uh, the population of striped bass is pretty thin, you know, at that time, and it's difficult to catch a big fish unless you know how to catch big fish in this day and age. And I was not being very smart during that documentary. Um, however, I had the knowledge to do what I was doing this year. And as soon as I started actually just utilizing or just doing my homework, really, as soon as I started doing my homework, I started catching big fish. It's as simple as that. You do your homework with the moon phase, the tide and the wind, you're going to catch a big fish. It's just how it works. You know, if you're not paying attention to that, then you're not going to catch a big fish. Or if you do, you're going to be extremely lucky to catch one. Um, so always pay attention to the moon and the tide and everything like that. Because you'll be extremely lucky to catch a big fish if uh, otherwise. So this this hook, at what point do hooks get too rusty? Um, I say this is the point, you know. I mean, this is, the hooks on this are also dull like extremely dull. So what I do at this point, I'm just gonna take the split ring off because the split ring's still good. And I'm gonna chuck this hook. So I think that when the whole hook is covered in like a crust of rust, um, then it's time to get rid of your hook. Yeah, that's definitely done. But the split ring's still good, so we'll save that. Um, I have a lot of plugs in here that I've just have a lot of plugs in here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is gonna be a long process to, to do. Um, you know, I, the, I have, um, so many weird and interesting stories about a lot of these plugs. And I, I wonder like, cause when I'm doing this, I just think of it's really cool. So when you're, I'm, de-hooking my plugs each plug I feel like I have that I've fished with 
I have a weird memory of when I was fishing it and what happened. Um, I have memories of this one breaking one of my rods because I casted it on too light of a rod, even though it was actually rated for it, but um, it still exploded. And that's the thing, like, I I um, I have, like, an okay cast. Like, I, I put a lot of pressure on my rods when I cast. Um, I try to just backload it, and then I launch it. Um, and I feel like I've never been fit. Like, I've never... There's only one time that I've ever not really been able to get out to where the fish were, um, and that was frustrating. Um, I was fishing off of a beach, and there's um, it was in a nor'easter in the fall, and though was it a nor'easter? It was yeah, pretty much. Um, so and it was blowing extremely, extremely hard, and there was some decent sized waves, um, and hundreds and thousands of birds in the air and i saw it as i was driving by i was like okay it's time the, their bass are definitely blitzing right now i need to go and try to try to get some of these fish um and so what i did is i waited out in i tried to cast up for the bass because they're blitzing really hard and i couldn't get them because they're too far out they're probably probably 200 yards off the beach and I can cast maybe 150 yards with a heavy pencil and a really good rod and 30 pound test line. Um, and that's like tough to do, but there's a few fish that were kept that were in, especially in the wind, that's extremely tough to do, but there's a few fish that the, the, when the wind was blowing right, I could cast out and I got it. Um, probably a hundred yards out and I was still, I mean, they're 200 yards out easy and I still was a little bit short. So, um, and I was using a tsunami talking popper XD and I was trying to get it out there. Actually, I have the exact pencil that I was using in here. I can show you it. And I was trying to get out to, to these blitzing bass and I was waiting out and I was getting pushed back by the waves and I was waiting out and getting pushed back by the waves and there was a pretty decent rip current coming through it as well. Like there was a, there was definitely a decent rip current. Um, and I was trying my best to, to get out towards where these fish were and I was having a very difficult time. And uh, I finally got one cast into the strike zone. Um, I was up to my neck in the water and all of a sudden I was bent on a nice like 25 incher uh, and it was fine but the annoying part was I was watching 30 you know 30 40 inch bass blitzing on what I thought was adult menhaden at that time or at least larger peanut bunker um, and so yeah I mean it was a little it was <laughs> it was a little bit frustrating because um, I couldn't quite get out to where they're casting at and I was getting absolutely pounded and absolutely soaked but I was getting, I was able to get it out far enough with my cast that I could get into a few fish. But then they moved further and further offshore to the point that I couldn't, I couldn't get anywhere close to where they were. I tried extremely hard to get uh, my plug out to where they were, but I was having an extremely hard time doing it. One of my uh, favorite plugs, and I have, there's a story that goes along with it, is the first topwater plug I ever used. Now. The first topwater plug I ever used is the Smackett Junior. 
don't know if, and this is a smack at senior, like, hold on, I'm hooking myself here, but this is a smack it. Smackets are extremely good spring poppers. They're probably, they're the most, like, they're extremely good poppers. I love them. You know, I, I can't say anything really bad. They come with decent hardware, and they, they just sound really, really good in the water. Um, and I used to, I was going to a tackle store that's no longer here, but, um, and the guy was like telling a story about the smack at junior, how he was fishing with 11 pound test for schoolies in the estuary. And then he had a 42 inch bass come up and eat it. And he fought it for like 35 minutes, um, and finally got it in, um, and landed it on this, on his super light rod. So that was a pretty interesting story. I thought, um, and pretty cool one, but it was the first topwater plug I ever used. So when I was first introduced to that plug, um, I, I, um, I didn't like it cause I just couldn't catch. I didn't really know how to work it. And I was having such a hard time getting it in front of bass. And I was not very, um, I was, I was not very, uh, confident with the plug and confidence is super key and I'm actually going to do another podcast on how to not use superstition and confidence to rule how you fish because um, that's important and that's going to be probably my next podcast that I do because uh, superstition and um, and confidence is uh, a killer of fishing but I wasn't very confident with that plug so I didn't really throw it that often or that really that much at all and I was having a, you know, a hard time just like, a hard time just th like working it, like not knowing how to work it. So then I finally figured out how to work it. And I was sitting on this bank. Uh, it wasn't a bank. It was like, it was sitting on the side of a cliff. And right along the, the side of the cliff, there was bass, just probably 30 schoolie bass just hugging the bank of this cliff. And, um... I was throwing it up the cliff and I was working it back and the bass were exploding on it and jumping out of the water and I was ex like so stunned at how awesome it is to throw topwater plugs and I was super um, I was super hooked at fishing topwater plugs after that and I get the biggest kick out of throwing the smallest plugs and catching the smallest bass like I'll throw the smallest like jumping minnows and I'll be so stoked to hook and do a small fish. Um, you know, I have no, I have no qualms about hooking into like fishing for tiny, tiny bass on top water with small gear. I'll go to the harbor and I'll throw a little smack it around and I'll have the best time catching bass. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just get such a kick out of throwing, throwing those plugs or throwing that. Yeah. Throwing little plugs for bass on top. Um, and I caught some big bass on some small topwater plugs so that's the other thing like when you're fishing uh i would never i i think that, that you can get too big uh at points but uh it's pretty difficult to get too big for a striped bass um too big is kind of unheard of um in my opinion you can get i mean i can i've thrown some extraordinarily large plugs and gotten them eaten by some nice size fish and that's the thing when you throw a big plug you can weed out a lot of smaller bass but at the same time you'll catch a lot of small bass on a lot of really large plugs um, and you'll be shocked by how many large fish you can end up catching on a 
on a small plug. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty crazy to see, to see um how many uh <laughs> how how small of a bass will eat such a big player. I throw in a pencil that had to have been had to have been like a, a close to 15 inch pencil popper. It was huge, huge plug. And I caught a bass that was probably 10 and maybe a little more than 10. It was probably 13 inches on it. I caught 13 inch bass on the plug. I mean, absolutely tiny, but it still had the, like it still had, it still wanted to go after something that was that it couldn't possibly fit in its, in its mouth, but it did it anyway. Like that just shows you how crazy and awesome straight bass actually are that they'll go after such large plugs, even though they're so small, they're so predatory and so aggressive that they're not phased by, um, a large plug. They'll, they'll still go after or a large piece of bait. They'll still attack it with the same, with the same ferocity that they'll go after a big plug with. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to unhook this, man. It's tough right here for some reason. There we go. Yeah, just unhooking lots of plugs. I'm only, I've only done, I've only done like 11 plugs. And trust me, we have more than 11 plugs to go. Um, I probably won't let you guys be tortured by all of these, by me undoing all these plugs, but you know, it's kind of cool because it helps me remember certain certain things when I'm undoing these plugs about times, certain cool stories that otherwise wouldn't remember if I was just trying to remember them and write them down. Because um, there's certain things that I've caught that I've just been extraordinary. With the amount of time that I've spent on the water fishing, crazy things happen. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I one time was like how I found this plug. I was walking across the rocks and I look in the water and there's a crab with some braided line around his leg. And I pick up the crab and I and I pull in probably 15 yards of line to this plug right here. Um, and then I put new hooks on it and um, and I but it was funny because it was attached to the crab and then I unhooked the or untangled the crab from the line and it was dragging this giant plug behind it. Imagine if it was in some current or something and a striped bass actually ate the plug. That'd be pretty crazy. <laughs> but yeah, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess this is probably a good, you know, time to end it. Um, I mean, it was kind of a different podcast to just kind of setting up and getting ready for spring, but I thought it would be kind of cool for you guys to tune in and listen to the me just going off about weird stories, just fun fishing stories that I've, or experiences that I've had because it's pretty, it's been a pretty uh, interesting last few years of fishing for me and um, it's pretty cool that, you know, how it's evolved and what I've been fishing now and looking back and uh, reminiscing this time of year, I'm really starting to get the feels, like really starting to want to be catching fish again. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's lots of people that are very uh, excited for the season to begin. And um, yeah, so I hope you guys like this podcast and um, 
again, if you have any questions, uh, DM me on Instagram at Stripe Bass Hunt or uh, on YouTube, Stripe Bass Hunt on YouTube. Um, yeah, please come and subscribe. The fishing show will be on there soon, um, as soon as in probably a few months from now, but still, um, there'll be other content on there as well. And leave questions and comments on that as well. Okay, so thank you guys for listening and watching, and I'll see you next time.